Welcome to the WorkPrints TV Talk episode 13. I'm your host, Christian, and today we'll be talking Gnomans, the new series on Amazon Prime about a demon and an angel and their adventures to try and prevent the apocalypse together. Uh, with me today will be uh, Jen and Nicole. Uh, as I mentioned earlier in episode 12 of TV Talk, I'm trying a little something different. Uh, these introductions I'm pre-recording before the actual podcast, with the intention that eventually, uh, between the introductions and the theme song, or uh, between the introductions and the actual podcast, I'll be able to put in a theme song. Uh, the theme song is going well. I'm still kind of picking which one to use. I'm actually getting original, uh, recorded material from my, uh, professional, uh, musician friend, uh, Vinny, who you, uh, if you listen to TV Talk 12, he actually, uh, co-podcasted me about, uh, Swamp Thing, which was pretty dope. Um, so yeah, uh, just like every episode of TV Talk, these episodes are filled with spoilers, but in this special case, uh, for the first 10 minutes we're trying something different, where uh, the episode will basically be spoiler-free. And that's about it. Uh, yeah, hope you guys enjoy it, and uh, insert where theme music was supposed to be. Enjoy. Hi everybody, this is Christian. I'm here with Nicole. Hello, hello. And Jen. What's up? Awesome. And today we're going to be talking uh, Good Omens. Uh, yeah. So let's just get started, I guess. Um, for this episode of TV Talk, we're going to try something a little different. For the first 10 minutes, we're going to try talking just spoiler-free. So um, yeah, these first 10 minutes, no spoilers. All right. We're going to try real, real hard. <laughs> <laughs> so that means that Jen's probably not going to talk for the first 10 minutes. So. <laughs> but, well, you can talk about how much you love your gay dads on TV, Jen. I do love my gay dads on TV. Oh, my God. They make me so happy. Okay. Real talk, though. <laughs> I want to say um, the things that I'm loving the most about Good Omens right now is, one, the music is perfect. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Like, not even just, you know, having queen throughout <laughs> but all of the instrumental stuff is perfect the i i forgot how much i missed having a a show introduction like a show theme mm -hmm. and um the theme for good omens and the, the animation that plays is perfect i love it i love everything about it and i enjoy watching it every single episode that's pretty cool. Um, I wholeheartedly agree. Um, to be honest, I'm a huge Neil Gaiman fan, so I kind of just like everything about it, which is kind of a bias on my end, I know. Um, so that being said, uh, what did you guys think about the series going into it? I really was really, really excited for it. Number one, because uh, I'm a huge David Tennant fan, and he is my doctor. <laughs> so I will pretty much watch anything that he's on just because of him. Um, but since last year we went to uh, Comic-Con and they were there, that was so exciting to really kind of see, especially with Neil Gaiman there and John Hamm and, of course, David Tennant and um, Michael Sheen. I... Um, I actually had listened to the audiobook like a long time ago, oh. and it was it was if you if you haven't listened to it yet, I actually highly recommend it because the narrator is fantastic. I I, I agree. Yeah, he's. Oh, you both have listened awesome. to it. Yep. Oh, that's awesome. I I have the hard copy, but I still haven't given it a chance yet. Um, but yeah, like I really had high hopes, and um, you know, it's 
it's been really sort of positive to see that Amazon really got this right. And they've done the production value is really great, and there's so many like really fun cameos. It's I've really, 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 really enjoyed it. Yeah, I I mean, honestly, I think that this um, podcast is just going to be the opposite of any of the Game of Thrones podcasts that we have this year <laughs> because I have nothing bad to say about Good Omens. Like, so we're wow. only covering the first three episodes. Mm-hmm. Yes, and um. I, I've enjoyed everything that I've seen. Like, I, I just, I, I really don't know what I would be upset about. Yeah. Mm, interesting. Yeah. And normally you... I'm one that's, like, ready to pull out the pitchforks, y'all. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Do you guys feel so far that this has been, like, a really faithful adaptation of the book? Yes, but I think that's mostly because Neil Gaiman show ran the entire thing. Mm. Uh, I went to a conference with him recently, and it was literally the day after he just finished everything. Um, and it was officially his official retirement, he said, from show running from, on television forever. And uh, he just seemed super exhausted because the past, really, four years of his life have been dedicated to Good Omens, which is why you have the quality that you have right now. Uh, the f- last two dedicated to show running, and the two years before that dedicated to writing that script perfectly. Uh, for those who don't know, uh, Neil Gaiman kind of made it a promise to uh, get Good Omens uh, made for television as a kind of like as a last wish to uh, Terry Pratchett, his good friend who co-wrote Aww. the book with him. Yeah. Oh, that's so sweet. Oh. It is, and it's it's funny because in the uh, he was mentioning it in the lecture that the reason. Uh, originally Terry had a dinner with him and this is only like a couple a little bit before Terry died and he said okay Neil let's uh, I have a request before I go away and like pass away um, can we make good omens into a TV show and Neil apparently said yes or he was a like, kind of on the fence but it was leaning towards yes but then it became kind of his last wish because Terry died a little bit afterwards so like that was the last request from Terry to Neil and so because of that Neil made the show oh. and did it right so Good oh, Omens is kind of like a love story between these two men, oh. and Neil and Terry, just like it's a love story between Crowley and Aziraphale. Oh, absolutely! Like <laughs> I again, I love the series way too much, but it's because I love everybody behind it. it. It's not just Neil Gaiman too, but the cast is superb in this. My God! Yeah, like, uh, I mean, like every single role it seems like has been perfectly cast. Everybody knows what their job is. And they do it so well. John Hamm as Gabriel is perfect. <laughs> He's hilarious. He's yes. so good. His delivery is great. Francis McDormand as uh, the voice of God. Mm-hmm. It, it, like, I don't think I could have picked better. Like, it, it's just everything about it feels like listening to the audiobook. Like, it's got that yes, same vibe. whimsical yes. nature to it. That same sense of humor Mm -hmm. it's there's darkness in it but it doesn't take over the whole story like i i just i love it i i i'm really really enjoying it so far yeah me too um it's surprising because even though i i personally love it and everyone i've asked who's watched it has seemed to enjoy it it's still not getting like the most rave reviews i think some people are just a little off-put by the the uh, storytelling format um, saying so? uh, that it's more like a novel with the, uh, you know, God, uh, for those listening, uh, God is kind of the narrator, but it's not really a spoiler because I think Neil Gaiman uses a similar device for a lot of his TV shows. Um, and so it's not, 
your traditional TV show format. Um, Because a lot of the times in shows, they just they just kind of just go with it and you see point of view, but you don't have like an overarching thing kind of dictating the pacing. But uh, what were your thoughts? That unusual. I mean, you think like Jane the Virgin has a narrator that is its own character. Hmm. Um, I just girl maybe right. Yeah, like I don't I don't think that that device is that out of the ordinary. Honestly, if I think that anything is alienating for people is that honestly I love reading the comments about this show because Good Omens has managed to simultaneously piss off both both Christians and atheists. <laughs> <laughs> That's incredible. And so like I think that it's bridging that divide there and uh, I, for one, am here to celebrate it. Likewise. I mean, I I think for the most part, uh, it does uh, an excellent job given the source material. I don't know. I've only read like the first few chapters of Good Omens, and it's an engaging book. It kind of reminds me of Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. I could totally see that, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, except like with a more, you know, religious tone, I guess, instead of science fiction. Yeah. All right. Overall, like, what do you think you liked or disliked the most about the show from what you've seen? Uh, for those listening, we have about a minute left of spoiler-free talk. Hmm. I mean, obviously, I love the, the love story. I so, Can I talk about it? Is that spoilery? <laughs> uh, we'll yes, talk about okay, it in a minute, just because uh, when you say love story, I'm not sure what you're talking about, because I've only seen the first three episodes and haven't finished the book. So um, I'm if curious. If you watch the first three episodes, you, and you don't t- know you what can, the love story you is. You can you're tell. Not I know. I'm. I'm just trying to play the ignorant, you know, spoiler-free guy you who's like, I don't know what you're talking about. Uh, please end this podcast now and go back and do your homework again. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's implied at the beginning. I mean, all right. So, yes, this, this, this. Uh, a big reason why you're gonna love this show is because of the characters and the relationships. Mm-hmm. The the plot goes everywhere, and uh, really just the jokes. It's really funny. It doesn't take itself too seriously, especially which is crazy because it's a it's an apocalypse story, you know. Um. So yeah, th- it's there's just a lot. It's definitely not the Umbrella Academy. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. Uh. Well, that would have had a giant plot hole at the end. So. Uh. Okay. I think just we're just. <laughs> oh, we talked about that. Uh, we was... did. Yeah. That was an awesome <laughs> podcast. Thank you for. Uh, indulging with me and the hatred of Umbrella Academy. Uh, okay, so I think that's about at the 10-minute mark-ish. Um, so, yeah. Nicole for didn't an... get to give her, her spoiler-free. Oh, I'm sorry, Nicole. Yeah. Feel free. Um, I mostly agree with Jen. <laughs> okay. okay. No, really that, it's really the two characters, I feel like, which were the best part so far, at least of the first three episodes. And if anything, like, as far as criticism, not enough of them. I would like more. <laughs> I that, that, There we go. I would agree with that. I would agree with that completely. Totally. Um, love those two. Okay, so we're literally at the 10-minute mark now. So, um, yeah, for those listening in, uh, this is the rest of this podcast is filled with spoilers. If you're looking for the spoiler-free section, that is officially done. Uh, okay, so, yeah, good omens. Uh, we're going to talk about the story and then a bit of the characters and kind of just ramble on from there. Uh, so, yeah, uh, story-wise... Uh, so do what we want to do thoughts? like a summary? Oh uh, yeah, yeah. Like what the what what the show's about, basically. Oh yeah, that's actually probably a good idea. Um, I, mean, I, I mean, I guess we could have technically done that in the spoiler-free part. <laughs> yeah, but then you have to like hide a lot of stuff. It's probably 
better to just talk about it. I don't know. I'm trying a new format, guys. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, it's okay. Okay, so Good Omens, what it's about. It, it's kind of uh, the story about this angel and this demon and their kind of best friendship over the years. Uh, if anyone wants to pick up, <laughs> they were, feel free. I mean, we start off like at the beginning of creation essentially with them and it leads up all the way to the end times and how they're kind of you know since they're on opposing sides they're trying to help each other but not help each other at the same time and yeah. they end up kind of really being attached to humanity in their own ways and so it's really a hilarious tale of how these two um end up being not only really great friends but also um unlikely saviors of mankind if we're gonna take it to the spoiler part (laughs) yeah no definitely um i it's weird because uh i think crawley begins as like the snake from the garden of Mm -hmm. eden hence his name is crawley because he's a crawling thing and then aziraphale i never really understood he was supposed to be like the angel with the flaming sword yeah, and he he was the angel of like the East Gate, because okay. I, f- I forget like if there were f- were there how many gates in Eden? I don't remember. <laughs> I don't either, but I just know that he, because because I think in in the normal depiction it's like that it was supposed to be some awesome crazy angel, and you meet Aziraphale, and you're like this is like the sweetest dude in the universe, and he like hands his flaming sword off to Adam, <laughs> pretty much at like the very beginning of the of creation itself, and it's pretty I don't know it's pretty dope I think. Yeah, and he's well, like, yeah, I mean, he felt bad. There are, you know, wild animals out there. And it's cold. And, and it's preggers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Eve <is> preggers. <laughs> and it's incredible. It's just like, wow. And then, because uh, then I think, doesn't Crawley, like, mention, you? did you give your flaming sword to humanity? And then later on, they even reference it, too. It's like, where, where's your sword, dude? Um. <laughs> he's like, um, it's around here somewhere. What yeah. happened was, <laughs> they stole it. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it was stolen. But it's it's been really kind of interesting to see how um, uh, you, not only Neil Gaiman and Terry Pratchett were in writing the writing the book, but also this the series really shows the complete um, sort of bureaucracy that runs both heaven and hell, and oh, they're yeah. both not really sure who's doing what, and it's like kind of a hot mess everywhere. Um, I don't know. I really like that just because it, you know, it, it kind of goes to show how despite supernatural forces having so much power, blah, 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 they too still need to deal with paperwork. <laughs> Yo, I totally enjoyed that too, because there's a lot of times where you're like, who's the real good and evil here? It just seems like different sides, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that's really good storytelling, especially for a story about heaven and hell, you know? Exactly. Hence, pissing the Christians and the atheists. Off. Exactly, exactly, because it does, it does present creationism, mm-hmm. um, but then also does not really depict Christianity in the best light. Totally, it's it's funny, especially with the Old Testament stuff. But I guess I'll go there because uh, in a little bit later, because I'm kind of doing it episode by episode, sort of summaries. Um, but yeah, so Crowley and Aziraphale. They become very good friends. Uh, eventually, there's this big plot, uh, which is kind of the big motivation for their story. Mm-hmm. Um, I think uh, Crawley is supposed to 
bring the Antichrist. And Aziraphale, over the years, was told to keep tabs on Crawley. And as you figure out during later episodes, they kind of kind of became friends, but we'll get into more about that a little bit later. Uh, but the big, the, big, the big incident, the big inciting uh, thing for Good Omens is uh, they're supposed to deliver this baby. And uh, in this really brilliant montage to, like, three-card Monty, uh, which is narrated perfectly uh, by God herself, uh, they kind of mess it up. <laughs> to say the least. And Yeah. I really like the nuns in that scene, too. Like, this is the, the, was this the order of the chattering something? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> A satanic cult for nuns, essentially, which was pretty hilarious. And they accidentally, one of the sisters accidentally gives the Antichrist to the wrong family because they ended up having two families giving birth that night. And the wrong baby goes to the U.S. ambassador and hence the confusion. Which was like my biggest fear, by the way, when having a child. <laughs> it's like, don't give me the wrong baby. That they would mix up the babies? Yeah, they would mix up the babies and, you know, it wouldn't be my baby. I and mean, then like... Would- Obviously, I'd love him, but, yeah. like, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> There's the Hilarity comments here, ensues. dot, dot, dot. Yes. Uh, and it's great, too, because, um, like, I think the uh, the diplomat couple uh, is, is a reference to The Omen, uh, for those who, who uh... love that movie. Uh, because that baby ends up growing, grows up to be Damien, the Antichrist. Uh, but in this case, it's kind of a huge mix-up because we don't know who gets what baby because all these nuns kind of passively, aggressively, and without like communicating through words, think that they're all helping each other out, but indirectly screwing each other over. It's like, uh, oh yes, nod in agreement. I know what you're saying, and like it's just all miscommunication and it's chaos and hilarity, really. Um, but yeah, Crowley delivers the baby, they mix it up. Uh, I think the real Antichrist goes to this, like, farmer family. And the uh, the other one, go- the, the one that everyone thinks is the Antichrist, Warlock, uh, goes to the diplomats. But there's also this third baby that we don't really know about that, I don't know, do they reference it later, guys? Um, they do in the book. Actually, yeah, like he ends up going to another family in Tadfield who um, he kind of turns out to be like the local bully, I think, if if memory serves me correct. But they do actually reference in the book that he has a very, very strong fascination with fish. (laughs) I think they're like prize winning fishes, too. That's pretty awesome. Um. But so kind of throughout the course, I think still through episode one, right, where um, Crawley and um, Xerophil basically make a pact where they both sort of try to influence Warlock, who they think is the Antichrist, as a means to sort of like temper his his evil slash goodness. Yeah. Except, you know, it's a wrong baby. <laughs> yeah. And, and I mean, and it's it's great because... <laughs> Aziraphale goes, like, just full-blown British gardener with it. With, with bad teeth. teeth. And everything. <laughs> and then uh, Crowley goes, Mrs. Doubtfire. Yes. That was awesome. And it's <laughs> amazing. Yeah, it's I just jo- want to say, David Tennant's costumes, his whole demeanor, his hair, <laughs> as atrocious as it is sometimes, 
the fact that he changes so much throughout this show, even through just the first three episodes, is awesome. <laughs> is awesome, and it's exactly how I picture Crowley. Yeah. Really. Yep. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. Spot uh, freaking on. As okay. dramatic, and uh, oh my god, just yep. Even like the way he speaks and the intonation, it's so good. It's like it really captures the character. I think, but. Yes, but I can go on and on. <laughs> I definitely could go on and on about that. And I'm not even, I mean, like, I'm sorry, Nicole. I'm not even, I, I don't watch Doctor Who, so I don't have the same love for David Tennant than everybody else does. Like, I loved him in the things that I've seen him mm-hmm. in, and I think he's been flawless in everything that I've seen. But I don't have that same obsession with him. I'm a little obsessed with him watching Good Omens. And I'm starting to understand, oh, this is why people love him so much. Like, Oh, Jen, watch Doctor Who next time with him. I don't know if I told you, but David Tennant's my favorite Doctor, too. And yeah, yeah. He's yeah. kind of the whole Isn't reason I watch the show. favorite Doctor? No, some well, people really like people, Matt Smith. Yeah, some people really like Matt Smith. But, yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's good, but he's no David Tennant. Sorry. Ouch. Matt Smith lovers, I apologize. But she is absolutely right. David Tennant is a million, million times better. <laughs> um, yeah, all right. So towards the back end of episode one, uh, they kind of emphasize the importance of this uh, hellhound, mm-hmm. that the hellhound is going to uh, find the, the Antichrist. And it's kind of there where we kind of notice things are awry because it doesn't go to uh, Baby Warlock it goes to, or I'm sorry, not Baby Warlock, to Warlock. It goes to Adam, and uh, one of the one of the powers or, or special features of this dog is when the Hellhound finds the Antichrist, it'll take on the form that the Antichrist wants the most. And it's really cute because Adam's just like, I just want a puppy, I just want a dog. And so this crazy menacing Hellhound... Becomes a little itty-bitty tiny dog. <laughs> and it's adorable. And he names him Dog. Yes. Which I appreciate. <laughs> <laughs> It's, I mean, it's this tiny little dog, too, that kind of reminds me of my little dog. It's, like, totally, like, I'm going to fuck some shit up. I'm totally going to do that. And doesn't realize that he's in this tiny little dog body. And then I think in a later episode, he gets slapped by a cat, you know, yes. put in his place. And it's like, yes. oh, wait. Why I'm did a hellhound. And I just got <laughs> bitch slapped by a cat. <laughs> I just got bitch slapped by a cat. What the what the shit? I'm gonna turn into goo. Oh wait, I can't <laughs> because it's it, because a lot of its demeanor is formed by the naming, mm-hmm. and so because of the way that Adam named the dog, it's dog. <laughs> so I just it's one of those things. But I think the the hellhound is when uh, Aziraphale and Crowley both recognize that who. Oh, we've goofed somewhere along the line we've goofed and we don't know how to fix where we goofed because it's been 11 years a lot of time in this 11 years for us to have goofed how do we backtrack this (laughs) and it's awesome because they they you can tell that like they don't have a clue these two celestial beings who have been here since the beginning of time are completely helpless and it's kind of amazing well i mean it's you know it's because aziraphale is really only interested in what he can eat and Crowley is really just trying to be a nuisance, but kind of like a like a stoner nuisance, you know? Like, he's just here to sleep and make everything a minor convenience for those around him while making quippy commentary. Like, that's, that's what he's here for. He's not here to actually be destructive. Mm-hmm. That takes work! That's exhausting! Yeah, absolutely. It's gonna mess up my hair! 
whatever. And as a de- it's funny because as a demon, like he, it's one of the things I love about the show is Crowley, who has such a great rep in Hell. You kind of find out that it's because he kind of just did nothing and let humanity just be as it is, and then took the credit for credit, it, yep, exactly. which is incredible. Exactly. Yeah. Um. All right. So episode two. Because that was kind of the short summary of episode one. Episode two introduces a very important part of the uh, story, uh, which is the nice and accurate prophecies of Agnes Nutter, which an extensive and highly accurate collection of the prophecies written in the 17th century by Agnes Nutter. Um, that was a lot to say. Uh, yeah, this book is very important. Um, do you girls want to talk about why? Because, yeah. It's the only book in existence that actually has accurate prophecies compared to all the other stuff that other people have written. And there's only one copy that we find out. It's the, it's the, only, it's the only book of prophecy that has all of the prophecies are correct. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so there are, other, there are other prophetic books that have like maybe got one or two things right, but this is the only one where everything in it is correct. And like Nicole said, there's only one copy in existence. Yeah, and it serves kind of as this major plot point to uh, to the story because I think at some point people who own the book, which is I think Anathema Device, <laughs> it's a great name, um, she she realizes okay, it's happening now, and so they kind of use the book as a segue into other characters. Yeah, yeah. and that that uh, f- was that in episode two where they did the flashback first to show. Um, Agnes being killed uh, on the day that she died, being yes. burned on yes. at the stake. Yeah, that was actually really nice too. With um, Newton Pulsifer's ancestor, who we will talk about soon as well. Who, mm-hmm. What was his name? It was like Thou shalt not commit adultery, Pulsifer. Yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta love the names. <laughs> I, I'm a big fan of the naming in this in the series. It's quite hilarious. But of course, it's, I mean, it's yeah. not as good as you know, um, the Witchfinder table. Oh, yeah. Witchfinder, Sergeant Pepper. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, but of course, Agnes knew the day that she was going to die, and so she actually took out the entire village who came to burn her at the stake with her, which was awesome. That was pretty dope. Yeah. That's a way to go. Yeah. yeah. And she then left the book with her son, oh no, her daughter and her husband. And so essentially from that point on all the way up to the present, um, the folks of the Device family had used the book to start preparing for the end of times, but also um, they've been able to get rich and have a nice fancy house in Malibu for it. <laughs> yeah, they invested in a thing called the Apple or something. The oh, apple yeah, that couldn't apple. be eaten. Yeah. yeah. There you go. <laughs> And other amazing prophecies like that over time made them to be, like, really big ballers. <laughs> Although, Jen, in the book, do you remember if um, the Device family had become American? or Because although, like, on the, on the show, Anathema's mom sounds Spanish, but they live in Malibu. And so and then Anathema was being referred to as an American. And I don't remember any of that in the book. I don't remember yeah. any of that in the book either. Yeah. Okay, so it must be a show thing. All right, cool. I, I think it was definitely a show call, because uh, the actress who plays Anathema, Adria Arjona, her career is kind of taking off, so it doesn't surprise me that they uh, they casted her in the series. I think she's actually going to be in the Morpheus uh, movie as well, the uh, the one based off the Marvel character. Oh, cool. Oh, nice. Yeah. Very cool. 
So like her, hers is kind of like a up and coming actress thing. So I think that's why they they made the call there, and then kind of just adjusted it towards towards that. Plus, you get more representation, I guess. So, mm-hmm. yeah, true. true. Yeah. yeah, always down for that. Yeah. So should we chat about Newton Pulsifer and how he got recruited? Yes, oh please, gosh. because I'll be honest, uh, episode two, I wrote some details down on this, but I, it's really hazy in my brain. So feel free. Yes. Although before that, was that in episode two also where um, we see a young Sergeant Shadwell talk to... Uh, we see the young Sergeant Shadwell in episode three. Is episode yeah, the three. Flashbacks okay. with Aziraphale and okay. Curly. Yeah. So, so episode two then is the one where Newton sees a, a Shadwell like after being fired from yet another job, right? Yeah. So I had a question. What was what was going on with his? Because uh... he keeps getting fired from jobs, but it's because like technology keeps failing around him. Is that what, what's going on? I don't. I don't really know. He's bad luck. Yeah. He's just bad luck. He That's what it really is. Really bad luck. Like, oh. Bad luck. Okay. So like for a second, I'm like, does he just not? Is like electronics just not work around him or something? I wasn't sure. Although that's kind of a part of his bad luck, right, John? Yeah, that is that is part of his bad luck. Oh, okay. Oh, is it because he was cursed? Mm, oh, we... is that a spoiler? I, I... All right, don't 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 tell me, because I again I'm only three episodes in and I didn't read the books, so I it's weird because I love the Neil Gaiman and stuff, but I haven't fully delved into it. But yeah, yeah. Um, Shame on you, Christian. I know. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm yeah, so embarrassed this... right now. <laughs> um, but. Yeah, no, uh, uh, so Newton, Pulsifer, uh, he gets recruited. Mm-hmm. That's he, all I got. <laughs> yeah, and it, it's sort of interesting, like, I, I, even when reading the book, like, I never really got how he would be able to survive off of joining the Witchfinder um, army, just because, how much did he get paid? It was like, one pound? Yeah, it was like 250 like, pounds yeah. or, or... Something, something like really minuscule, yeah. <laughs> But hey, for a dude with like really bad luck and can't use electronics like that, I guess it worked for him since he, like his job, at least at the beginning, was just to cut newspaper clippings for uh, Sergeant um, Shadwell because he was looking for um, any weird occurrences that could be related to witches. Yeah. (laughs) But um, we also meet... um, Menem Tracy, right, in episode two, if if that serves my memory correct, I think. Did we yes. meet Meta- Yes, yes, we did. Yeah. And th- the relationship between Shadwell and Madame Tracy was kind of really funny in the book and on the show as well. And I think, like, the actors who played them have really great chemistry, too. Um, like, Madame Tracy is, of course, not only a medium, but she's also sort of, like, a woman of the night. And oh, yeah. <laughs> she has, she kind of ha- really takes care of um, Shadwell because he's pretty much alone. And, but he, you know, constantly calls her harlot and, like, um, was it, like, whore of Babylon? I'm probably <laughs> not saying that correctly, but... Um, but no, that makes adorable. that actually makes yeah. sense, yeah, because yeah. <laughs> that's actually a reference to to I think biblical things, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that's really adorable. Um, but I think we don't really see much of them afterwards, right? If and at least in this episode, yeah, I think I mean even through episode three, I think we've only seen just brief snippet snippets of the two of them. Mm-hmm 
together. Usually it's just him yelling at her and her just going, oh, okay, dear. Yeah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like, she's so sweet and polite to him, and he's just screaming at her about being a harlot. Yeah. Yep. (laughs) Uh, How did you feel about Sergeant Shadwell, uh, his accent? Because some people are very negative about it. So he's, is he playing, um, wait, wait, wait. So his accent is supposed to be Scottish, right? I think. I'm not, sometimes I'm like, it's Irish. I'm really bad. (laughs) I thought it was Scottish. Okay. okay. But I I thought it was supposed to be apparent that he's faking it. Oh, is it? Because I just just thought, I wasn't sure if he was faking it or if Michael McKean was just not able to really pull off the accent. It's hard to tell because Michael McKean's a com- famous comedian too. Yeah. So like, I'm just like, I, I want to laugh because I really loved him in Better Call Saul and in SNL back in the day. So I could I can never tell like if this is a joke or not, especially because those characters in Better Call Saul, he's kind of a crazy person. And it seems like uh, Lieutenant uh, Shadwell is very much that as well. <laughs> that is true that the character is kind of crazy. He he's he's a yeah. little more than crazy, and so and I I thought my impression of it was that for some for whatever reason him being Scottish would lend credence to him being a witch finder, mm-hmm. and then you know more people would listen to him because his accent would stand out in England at least a little bit, you mm-hmm. know I, I that's that's what I thought I don't know if that's the case or not i mean maybe maybe it is just supposed maybe he is just not as good at holding the accent because it he does slip <laughs> but i think that that's okay because again like nicole said the character's crazy okay cool so he's definitely so crazy. it doesn't yeah. matter you know like he's, <laughs> you're not really listening to what he has to say anyway yeah. that's true yeah. and that's kind of the point right because you know that this dude is off his rocker yeah yeah <laughs> Um, okay, so in this episode, uh, Anathema Device has the book with her, and she's looking for the Antichrist. Uh, she actually runs into him in the forest, and it's really cute because you think that she would catch on, uh, but I guess she doesn't, per se? Like, she kind of just like, oh, you're not it, after she tries gauging, like, uh, that he was, uh, I think the, the Antichrist was supposed to be here at this moment in time. Uh, and then, uh, she runs into Crowley and, uh, and Aziraphale, as uh was it like a bike accident or something i don't remember exactly they hit her accidentally after coming from tatfield manor where they were trying to find out what happened to the baby and yes. how they misplaced it right and they run mm-hmm. into sister i forget her name was it agnes it might not have been agnes but yeah i mean they kind of find out that you know all the hospital records got burned so they are back yeah. to square one and they don't know where the where the kid is yeah which was totally a result of crawley burning it because he just wanted to you know actually it was haster oh, i'm sorry haster, haster yes i forgot yeah. to in- yes yes yeah um, i kind of forgot to include those uh, side demons and such they're probably important but i didn't <laughs> write them yeah, down they're not that important they're, I mean, they're yeah, not that important yeah, they're, they're just, okay yeah they're demons demon. and they burn and mess things up yeah because demon one demon two there you go <laughs> um but then yeah so they accidentally hit anathema while she's on her way home and Aziraphale, being the nice angel that he is offers her a ride home and fixes her injuries and fixes her bike and actually upgrades her bike but she's like uh i didn't have any dials on my bike like what's going on but then she ends up accidentally leaving the the uh book in the car 
So yes. by the time Crowley and Aziraphale get back to London, Aziraphale is basic notices the book and is about to lose his mind because he's been looking for this book for a really long time. And so that um I actually really like that montage scene too where he's just sitting there and at first he reads like the first prophecy at 380 I think 3008 and he goes and she Agnes tells him oh something about uh you the angel reading this your cocoa's getting cold. <laughs> and that's when he's like oh, and he's like, oh wow. my god this is real. <laughs> I mean awesome. would that convince you? Yes. Yes. Yes it would. It would It'll totally. Be like, if I sat here reading and saying my hot water has gotten cold, yes, that would freak me out. Yeah. Drink hot water? We should discuss that. I'm well, that's... having a cup of hot water, guys. You know, and that good makes... for digestion. It is, <laughs> so they say. That would be even crazier because they didn't say coffee or tea or anything else, specifically it's cocoa. hot water. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um... Okay, so that, that kind of wraps up episode two. Uh, we'll go through our favorite episode. Oh, Nicole and my favorite episode. I'm not sure, Jen, but this was our favorite of the three. Um, uh, yes, this is obviously my favorite because this right, is awesome. where we really showcase the love story. Between okay. the like, two characters. Yes. Between the two characters. Like, honestly, okay, so the beginning of episode three, like the first, what, ten? Oh, it's 28 minutes. It's like 28 minutes. minutes. Yeah. yeah. Oh, was uh, it that long? Yeah. yeah. It's just and it was amazing. To, yeah. Dedicated to Aziravale and Crowley through time. the freaking through time yeah. yes and so and like and i feel like it should have just been a montage with um christina perry's a thousand years playing throughout <laughs> like <laughs> because oh it was just it was, it was just so every beautiful. single time they would find each so other they, yeah it was so it was so good and it was just Usually it was Crowley saving his ear fail because he was getting into trouble because he was eating something or, yeah. or wanted yeah. to eat. Yeah, like he wanted to eat crepes and then suddenly he's about to get beheaded in the French Revolution. Yes. <laughs> and um, it, it's it's crazy, too, because uh, it, Crowley the entire time, I think his ear fail was saying, you know, Crowley, you're not supposed to do good things. And Crowley is like, I'm not good. And then he just did these nice things uh, and he was just so <laughs> denial. It was so great. Which for you guys, which was your favorite scene in this in this portion? I listed a few of them down, um, but personally, my favorite was White and Black Knight uh, during the uh, was it the Crusades or something or uh, the medieval times? Mm-hmm. I, it might have been the Crusades or something. Um, but yeah, just because you know the White, the infamous White Knight and the infamous Black Knight, and you find out that. It's the two of them. <laughs> and this is like years later, they're like, oh, well, I'm going to stop you and I'm going to stop you. And they're trying to be all gallant and whatever fit the era. And you f- they find out, oh, okay. it's, oh, it's yeah. You. Yeah. And then they find out that the whole reason that nothing's really been getting done is because they're both there. And so in this really brilliant moment, they're just like, you know what? Let's let's just go on vacation. Let's just, let's just do. Walk away. Yeah, because they're not doing anything because they're neutralizing each neutralizing each other out. So why not? And that kind of gives them the idea to kind of kind of just do this throughout the years, you know? But yeah, that, that was my favorite part. I really liked World War II. And not not just because there was the cameo appearance of Mark Gaddis, who I realized who he was after that scene. But um, after, you know, the church got bombed and um, 
Aziraphale uh, saves both of them from getting incinerated, basically. But then Crowley saves his books, and I my heart just melted because that was so sweet. And yeah. you could see Aziraphale's face. He's just like, oh my god, like... You didn't have to, but you saved my books because you knew that it meant a lot to me. <laughs> so that was my favorite. Jen? Um, so I, one I want to say, I love that all three of us have diff- have different favorite ones through this montage. Here. <laughs> um, my, my favorite one was the Noah's Ark. Oh. Because I think that at its core, it's, it's a, it's, you could just take this snippet and it is like a character study on who each of these main characters are. Who Aziraphale is at his core, and who Crowley is at his core. And so, and it's, Aziraphale is here, and he knows that his god is pissed, mm-hmm. and is going to punish humanity by drowning mm, almost all of them. And and he's like, but, well, that's that's God's will. So, you know, it's I, I have to follow orders. And it sucks, but it's probably good for a reason or something, right? And then, but Crowley's response is, not the kids. So, like, here's Crowley, who is this demon, who mm-hmm. is kind of, he's supposed to be this epitome of evil and a bad guy. And it shows that he's not just that. He has so many other good characteristics, and he even thinks, like, all right, but killing kids, right? Like, that's evil even for mm-hmm. us, yeah. you know? And, yeah. and this is what your god is doing. You guys are supposed to be the good guys. How are you okay with this? How are you complicit in this action? And so, and I think that that scene really showcases a lot of their struggles between them throughout the show. Because as we see, Aziraphale finds the the Book of Prophecy, Agnes Nutter's book, and he keeps it, and he doesn't tell Crowley. Yeah, Whereas that's a big deal. Whereas if Crowley were the one to find it, he would have told Aziraphale. Yeah. And he would have tried to do this. And so, and, and it's 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 a really nice play on what you expect from these characters, this angel and a demon, and who they are, and where we would lump them in the good or evil spectrum. And instead, they're both middle of the road mm-hmm. for their, their own reasons. And so, like... Crowley didn't fall as because he was an angel who fell and he didn't fall just because he was evil right he fell because he didn't fit that mold of listening to what an angel should do and I think that that scene really encompasses that they're complex characters and it's fascinating to me no excellent choice honestly yeah yeah and like that really beautiful moment too because that's like the first time or like I think the, the first or se- no the second time they met too was very early on and we established the like kind of the the hypocritical nature especially mm-hmm. of Old Testament yeah. <laughs> but yeah um was there anything else about that montage we loved because I really loved that whole thing so um hmm. anything worth mentioning at all just casually I mean I just I think I just love all the little moments in it you know yeah. like I I love that. In every one of these scenes, you can see the two of them falling in love with one another. You can see that yeah. there is a mm-hmm. genuine emotion between yeah. them. And I, like, it's one of those things where when I was listening to the book, I thought, oh, yeah, these two are gay together. But then I'm watching it in the show and I'm like, oh, they're 
gay gay. <laughs> they're they're they are together. They are married together. It makes you know? sense because it's you know they've been together for a very long time, so that relationship just naturally builds, and then like they kind of like, get each other in ways nobody else can. Yep. And so it becomes you know like a legit romance, which I I kind of knew going into it. I'm like, you know what? It wouldn't surprise me if these two ended up. And you guys kind of confirmed it tonight. I'm like, okay, so that's where it's gonna go. I gotcha. <laughs> I don't, I'm happy for it because I, I love both of those actors and the characters they play respectively. So, yeah. Um, well, I don't I mean I don't in the book. It's not really like explicit. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's, it's not. not mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's not like okay. it's it's one of those things where it's kind of implied and there's subtext, mm-hmm. but it, not to the level that it has been in the show. Mm-hmm. And so, I'm really enjoying that they really brought that out like it's yes it's so nice yeah that they aren't afraid to showcase that because that was something that i think that a lot of people read into these books but never really had it seen and so the little the little things between these two characters um just and the scene at the end of episode three when crowley walks away from aziraphale i saw somebody uh, took a screenshot of that and then put it next to uh, a screenshot from Pride and Prejudice with Keira Knightley. Oh my god! And it's the same Aww. like pan out from from them and then one character walking away with the Aww. other one looking on. That's adorable. Just forlornly and it's um, it's wonderful. And that's 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 what I'm here for. I am totally. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, Jen, I think you need to send me that. <laughs> I yeah, just I will put send it, it to just you definitely. Put it on the I will chat. put it in I will put it in the Slack. It'll nice. <laughs> awesome. Um okay. I guess now we have to let go. <laughs> um for the rest of the episode cuz like I think most people uh, unanimously agreed that, that that was the heart of this episode. Uh totally. Yeah, yeah. Uh but then uh, other important stuff happens. Uh, I think Sarge- Sergeant uh, Shadwell and uh, we kind of learn about, we get the flashback about the Witchfinder army, realize that it's not really all it's made out to be. Um, and he and they're actually both being used by um, Crowley and uh, Aziraphale for their, which is, for their deeds, which is hilarious. Yes, because they're like, oh, I have agents, I have agents too. And you find out that they're the same people. Mm-hmm. And they're both this... just the same level of fuck up. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> they have not vetted their agents at all. <laughs> Um, yeah, and that's that's kind of, like, the most that I remember from yeah. that And then side. I, there uh, was just a little bit more of, like, Adam kind of starting to exhibit his powers because um, he ch- has a chat with Anathema, and yes. she gives him, like, her new Aquarian magazines, and basically he starts sort of putting these um, very, uh, not exactly crazy ideas but like really out there ideas like um the tibetan tunnels and like yeah. um nuclear something but with the nuclear power plants i think yeah and then uh he kind of from that he goes on this weird dark path realizing that everything is kind of a lie and that magazines hold the truth not the internet mm-hmm. which yeah. is really funny um yeah, and that's that's kind of I think most of episode three. Yeah, um, yeah is there I mean, else? So I, I think we should talk briefly um, that through these episodes we also saw 
um, famine and war. Oh, yes. Oh, right, right, right. Yes, yes, yes. yes. The, That's important. Those were the, awesome. Yeah. yeah. Two of the four horsemen of the apocalypse come. Yeah. And, um, you know, receive their goodies via FedEx. Um, <laughs> and one of the little details that I really like about the show on screen is that when you first meet Adam and his friends, each of them have their own symbols of the four horsemen of the apocalypse. With them. Oh. oh, what? I didn't even notice that. Good catch. Yeah, so Adam has the skull behind his head. Um, um, Pepper has the sword. Uh, Winsley has the uh, scales. And then, oh my goodness, who's the other kid? Brian. I think Brian, right? Yeah, because everybody Brian, has a Brian. Yeah, I remember got, that now. Yeah, he's yeah. got the other one. And um, so, yeah, all four of the kids have their different symbols of the four horsemen of the apocalypse, which... That's pretty pretty awesome. Is pretty nifty, too. Yeah. It's very for foreshadowing. The future, but, yeah, um, yeah I, really, I really like it. And then another thing that I noticed was that um, the scene in episode one where they're talking about magic and Aziraphale, Aziraphale doing magic... Mm-hmm. was entirely unscripted. Oh, are you serious? Oh, really? Yeah, because yeah, he's at the, awesome. the child show and he's pretending yeah. to do a house magic. When, they, when, they're, sitting, when they're sitting on the bench yeah. and Aziraphale tries to pull the coin from behind Curly's ear, <laughs> that scene is unscripted. They improv that. <laughs> That's, That's <awesome>. amazing. <laughs> oh, I love them so much. Yeah. I love them so, so much. And I just... <sighs> The thing that, like, I'm really loving about the two of them and this romance, because they're my gay dads, and I really (laughs) am hoping that they get the adoption paperwork submitted soon, Um, (laughs) is that it it is very much a romance. Like, nobody is going to convince me otherwise that these two are not in love with one another. And, but at the same time, it's still full of all of these flaws like it's Mm -hmm. not this thing that love is going to fix everything Mm -hmm. kind of story and their relationship is not going to change at least so far the respective opinions of heaven and hell you know like this is not like a romeo and juliet scenario here and i really really like that i like I like the mixing of the two characters, how they change this perception of what an angel or a demon should be, and I just, I just really love them, and I want more. Oh, absolutely. I want more than six episodes. I know. I, I think unanimously, that everyone said that as well, like, they wanted more than six. There is this really intimate moment where, um, I think Crowley, just kind of throwing away, says, you know, even if the end of the world did happen, you and I could just run away together to oh Aziraphale yes. and I'm just yes. like oh yes. dude that's kind of kind of sweet and you know he's kind of right like they're trying really hard to save humanity mm-hmm. when at the end of the day they don't really have to mm-hmm. you know especially if both have proven to be completely horrible at their jobs and probably going to be rejected once all of this come out comes out uh to both heaven and hell it's like yeah why not just spend eternity together doing whatever whatever because... celestials do <laughs> Because they, they, one, they couldn't be together if they weren't on Earth. Mm. They wouldn't, they wouldn't be able to be with one another because there is the heaven and hell. So they wouldn't be able to, the, the Earth is where they get to 
bridge that divide. Mm. And so because of that and their feelings for one another, they kind of have to stay there. And I don't know where they would run away to together or where Crowley thinks that they would run away to together. But, you know, I mean, I think it also kind of showcases their humanity Mm -hmm. and that Crowley, for all his bluster, does like people. And he does like the things that people create. And Aziraphale obviously loves food. And the two of them know these things about each other. Mm -hmm. And I think they're trying to preserve that as well as the relationship that they have. Because how how do you... How do you as celestial beings run away together mm-hmm. where other celestial beings can't find you? That's true. You know, and, and so yeah. when they say, like, what uh, what's going to happen to Crowley when Hell gets a hold of him and they find out what he's done or how many times he's helped Aziraphale. And that's why he wants the holy water. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, and yeah. so. As, as insurance, yeah. As insurance, because it's not going to be pretty. That's very and... Romeo and Juliet right there. Oh, <laughs> I mean, that, that is pretty it's Romeo and Juliet. And the, and the, the <laughs> fact that the fact that Aziraphale procured it for him. Oh my gosh, yeah, that was a great scene. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> so touching. Yeah. Very touching. Mm-hmm. Um, anything else for cast and characters or anything else about the show even? Because I think we covered basically the gist of the first three episodes. Um... I cannot think of anything else, really, because I feel like we talked about all the major points. Um, and Jen mentioned the amazingness that was John Hamm. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Who, who's only in this for that sweet, sweet Amazon money for anybody at Comic-Con. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 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 but I... Oh, one small touch is I really enjoyed, too, how... Um, with um, the way they set up uh, War, that they kept her um, as a redhead. I thought that was a great touch because they call her red in the book. Mm -hmm. And so that was such a nice surprise, and it really kind of shows how much care that they've put into this. That's pretty dope. Yeah. yeah, I liked it. Yeah, I missed that. Oh, I also liked, um, was it Famine who was introduced in episode three? Yes. Yes. Yeah, how the the food chain. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Chow. Yeah. Chow. Jeez. Because, you know, what They're great... just giving people ideas. Yeah, what better way to starve people than just feeding them processed food that isn't actually, like, food, <laughs> you know? Which is or brilliant. Or, like, that just restaurant... Processed yeah. product. Yeah. <laughs> that restaurant scene where he goes, I've never seen this many rich people um, be starvingly hungry. And I was like, oh, oh yeah. funny. Yeah. That yeah. <laughs> he just, he was, like, getting... He was, like, embracing it. It's like, yes. Um... Okay. Um, yeah, so that's the first three episodes of Good Omens. Uh, I hope you enjoyed it. Um, would you want to do the last three later next week, perhaps? Yeah, perhaps? we should. Okay. And hopefully Bilal Definitely. can get in, too. So, yay. Um, yeah, and that's uh, that's it. Thank you all for listening. Uh, this has been TV Talk, episode 13. Uh, I'm Christian. You can find me on uh, theworkprint.com. Many, 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 many articles there. Uh, XN underscore Angelus on Twitter. XN Angelus on Instagram. Uh, Jenna Nicole? Um, you can find me on Twitter at N-A-A-X-E. And not on Instagram because I'm private there. Ooh, okay. <laughs> Dang. Oh, not shade. Dang. <laughs> um, you guys can find me on Twitter and Instagram. Because I'm not stingy like Nicole. <laughs> um, <laughs> I gotta keep some things private, guys. Come on. Uh-huh. Fair uh huh. At, 
at Jen Stayrook. All right, cool. Oh, uh, and follow us at the Workprint, of course, on everything. Yes, we have many, many great things to read and, and listen to. Yay. <laughs> all right, and that's it. Hope you all have a wonderful uh, time, day. And enjoy Good Omens. Yes. <laughs> Yay! Yay! Thanks for listening. <laughs> Bye.